10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. A lot coming up on the program. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll recap another big week for the A-State track and field teams. Also, it's opening week for A-State baseball. Excited about that. And we'll get you caught up with what the men's basketball team is up to as well. But actually going to start the program today with women's hoops making her second career podcast appearance in studio today it's the head coach of the red wolves destiny rogers how you doing des i'm doing great how about yourself she's back within one of butch jones that's right (laughs) coach jones was in here last week she had to try to keep pace (laughs) now all season long we've known your team is extremely talented we knew that the talent was there but for whatever reason be it injuries or whatever else it just wasn't coming together until now this past thursday you go into first place troy and on the road end up beating the trojans 98 to 92 something that few teams have done over the last handful of years go into that building and win Did you finally kind of get a glance of just how good this team can be? You know, I told them before the game, uh, I had a conversation with Coach Rigby. I value the way that she's mentored me, not just in this season, but last season. And uh, even when we were struggling, we lost six in a row. She was the one that was texting me and saying, hey, you know what you're doing. Keep your head up. You have a great team. Just keep working. And uh, before the game, she comes up to me and she says, Your team has the capability to win tonight and then not lose another one. And so, you know, I kind of let that marinate in my mind, and I took it to the team. And I said, I'm just letting you know what, in my opinion, the best coach in the conference, the number one team in the conference, she said that we are capable of winning tonight and not losing another one. And uh, I told them, but being capable is not enough. We know that we're capable. You have to decide for 40 minutes to get the job done. And I'm a really – big person on you have to be careful what you say because your words are powerful. I think that she regrets saying that now. (laughs) Um, But I mean, when I said it to my team, they just, all their eyes were wide open and uh, you could just tell that for 40 minutes, they really believed that they could beat Troy, that we could beat Troy. I just saw a lot of things in, in our team that I haven't seen leading up to this point. And they showed me what I've been knowing this whole season, you know, I stand in front of a bunch of people and I say, I have a great team and this team can do this and this team can do that. And I have a lot of people that look at me like I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I know what this team is capable of doing. They definitely showed that on Thursday. That's with you. I mean, look, I mean, you and me were in the same boat. They were kind of making me look bad too. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> Namely on this podcast every week. So I'm telling you, this bunch can be good. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they just, they decided to do it for 40 minutes. And even in our James Madison game, you know, we cut the lead to five at one point. Um, they were just really big, but they had a really good game plan in place, and we're in it. So we know that we're right there. We know that we have an opportunity at home these next these next two weeks to kind of gain some momentum going into Pensacola. So we're looking forward to that. But I really feel good about where we are right now and where we're headed. I really think that we can surprise a lot of people. Troy had to be refreshing, Not obviously not just the result, 
first and foremost and, and, and go in and win there. But that was also the game where if I'm betting, I'm just going to say that's probably the game where you were the maddest because the first go round, they came in here and, and just, you know, out toughed you. I kind of out dogged you on your home floor. And I had a front row seat about how well that set with you. I was really frustrated after that game because, you know, a lot of times you hear people say that teams mirror the personality of their head coach and getting bullied and, and out physical and things like that. That is not my personality. Um, so just seeing our team early on in the year kind of, in my opinion, give up in some games is very frustrating to me because my personality has never been to quit, you know, to, to just work through everything. Um, but to see our team be really tough that game Thursday, it just was a reminder to me that I haven't been lying to people when I'm telling them we have the team, we have the pieces. Uh, but all last week, I wasn't going to walk into Troy and get manhandled again. So we started our practice every week with a ball screen drill, and we had pads, and I had one coach with a pad at the ball screen, and they had to be really physical with them coming off the ball screen, and they had to handle it. And then they had to finish through contact. So we made practice really physical so that we could get ready for the physicality of the game. We talked about kind of in the open there, just whatever the issues might have been early on. And, look, injuries were definitely mm-hmm. an issue. You had to – work through those but you know the team had to decide at some point as well you know, you can push them all day every day as Absolutely. a coach but they've got to decide when they're going to kind of step it up a level and I know at one point here in the last few weeks they actually had a players only meeting I think Melody Kapinga helped mm-hmm. lead that meeting you need that kind of leadership if you're eventually going to turn the corner and it seems like they've finally kind of bought into what you're trying to do my message to them was i'm going to show up every day and i'm going to work hard and i'm going to coach you the way i feel like i need to coach you but at the end of the day when the game time comes i can't go score layups for you i can't get stops for you i can't stick to the game plan for you you guys have to decide to do that i think that it's just been a struggle and a mix between injuries and being young and maybe not fully knowing what it takes to win right now and that's okay that's what i'm here for to teach them that but even the begin throughout the beginning of the season, even up to, you know, maybe about a month ago, it's just every other game there was someone injured. There was someone sick or, you know, this game, this person is available, the next person, this one's not. So we haven't really been able to get in full rhythm of just everyone being healthy. And so this past month when you've really seen us start to progress, we've all been healthy. And so now you're starting to see it come into form now because they've been playing together for a couple of weeks and building that chemistry and things like that, which things that we would have liked to have in November. But we weren't afforded that because we just had so many injuries. I talk to my mom and my dad about it all the time, and they just always say, not about how you start, it's about how you finish. So I see that chemistry and things uh, starting to play in our favor now. And uh, you can just kind of see the different mentality in the kids in practice now. They really want to compete. They want to win. I think they just – you have to get to a point where you're just frustrated with losing it's all about what you do when you hit that adversity. You know, we lost a bunch of games, and I, I just kept telling them every every practice after every game, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to just drop your head and just continue to let this be, or are you going to really step up and do something about it? And I really feel like this last couple of weeks, even though some of them we have dropped, but you've you've constantly seen progress within the team. And so I think that that's them saying. Especially with, I mean, the core of this team is the sophomore class. Mm-hmm. So they're young anyway. 
you got people coming in and out. And so all those things kind of add up. And to me, from the outside looking in, that maybe this team sort of maybe struggled to know sort of what it's identity is like if you play Troy you know there's no such thing as a bad shot right. and they're going to go shoot hollow follows going to get a bunch of offensive rebounds James Madison is the big team and all these top teams are the fill in the blank team and I think maybe this bunch is because of the stuff we're talking about just not getting the point maybe we're trying to figure out what fills in their blank I think that because we have so many talented players it was hard for them to understand what their role was so before the player meeting, I had a meeting with them and I told each one of them what their role was. Some might have liked it, some might not, not have. And that's okay. That's just part of it. But whatever your role is within the team, I don't care if that's to be a practice player or if that's to play 10 minutes or to play 30 minutes. Whatever your role is for your team, you have to be elite at that role. You know, if I say, hey, I need you to be the best cheerleader on the bench, you need to be the best cheerleader on the bench, whatever that is. And uh, you could kind of see now people starting to accept their role. And when you accept your role and you don't make it about you and you make it about the team, you see things come to pass. And I feel like now we're getting to a point where we don't care who's scoring the baskets. We don't care who's taking the shots. And you can see us playing together a lot better now. And I think that that just was a, a lesson for these young ones. We just have so many. They had to learn how to play together and how to accept their roles, and you can really see them starting to accept it. You know, the last time you were in here for this podcast, you had just been hired as the full-time head coach. You had coached most of the season last year, but you took over midseason. So what's that adjustment period been like, going from the interim last year to now having this as your team I'm sure it's still been a big learning process for you. It doesn't matter how long we talk on this podcast. I talk for hours and this still wouldn't, it still wouldn't explain all of the lessons that I've learned this year. Hmm. You know, last year was me trying to earn a job, you know, so we just had to just do whatever it takes to try to put ourselves in position to, to get the job. And now that, you know, it's official, you know, you get to try to build the program the way you see fit and, you know, I've said this before, but when Matt was the head coach, he would always joke with me about, you don't know what it's like until you sit in this seat. Mm-hmm. And I was just this, this young coach saying, well, when I'm the head coach, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I have plans for this and I have plans for that. And I won't let this happen. I won't let that happen. And once you're in this seat, he is right. You just you don't know what all comes with this seat until you actually sit in this seat. So. I appreciate all of the lessons that I've learned this year. I haven't been perfect, and there's a lot that I've had to learn. But what I can say is moving forward, I'll never be the same because of all of the lessons that I've learned this year. I know what it, now what I want, what I don't want, how I want things to go, how I don't want things to go. And so while I truly believe that we will finish this season strong, I'm looking forward to, you know, of course, fiz- finishing strong, but then getting the opportunity to really – take everything I've learned this year and apply it to the future. I could just boldly tell you things will never be the same. I won't be the same because I've just learned so much in this one year probably than I have in 11 years of me coaching. So everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I've gotten punched in the mouth a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had to just chin up and just take it and learn. And uh, I was talking to Marshall's head coach, Tony Kemper, who was associate head coach at UCA. Uh, whenever I was there as a player and he told me as long as you have the mindset of you're always learning and you continue to be a humble leader 
you'll be special in this profession. And I don't think that I know everything. Uh, I know that I'm still a, a up and coming, growing coach. Uh, but the thing about me is, I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to take what uh, the mistakes I've made, the mistakes the team has made, and really learn from those things and do things better moving forward. Um, you have to always know that you're learning. You're always going to be learning something. You're always going to have to adjust to the times. So just being in this situation now, having a really talented team and things not going the way I personally thought they were going to go, I just, I've learned so much that I know that I'll never be the same. And this year will really mold me into really who I think I'm supposed to be as a coach. You're a humble leader. And, and I think part of that too is just trying to learn from as many people, as many mentors as you possibly can. And I know Matt Daniel is still a mentor mm -hmm. for you and got a lot of attention last year with just the way Don Staley reached mm -hmm. out to you and tried to kind of embrace you as a, as a new head coach yep. on this level. And you talk about Shanda Rigby mm -hmm. and what she's meant to you at Troy and her kind of support. You're trying to learn from as many different sources as you can it seems well as you can see the people that i'm trying to learn from are the best i want to learn from people that know how to win from people that win championships um because i i truly believe that that's where we're headed that's where i'm headed as a coach that's where this program is headed as a player and as a coach combined i've, I've been a part of six championships so that's what i know and so when you experience a season like this and and last season and and Quite frankly, since I've been here, that's hard. It's tough for someone who's used to winning. But I value the lessons that I've learned in the losses because I think that they'll make us better in who we want to be moving forward. So just really excited that I've gotten a chance to be mentored by Don Staley, by Coach Rigby, by my dad, who is a winner. Um, just trying to learn from the best because I want to be the best. You you talked about it in broad strokes, not, but I was going to ask for something more specific. And, and when I ask this, it's not even about dealing with this team. It's about the job. Instead, mm -hmm. it's it's moving one chair over, but that's a big old move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me something that was harder about it than you thought it would be. I think the thing that was harder about it than I thought it would be is just stepping into a realm of just having to make so many decisions. You know, when you're an assistant, you think that it's just about basketball. And – there's so much more to it than basketball. So for me, I think it's been leading a staff, trying to make sure I put myself in position to be the best coach for, you know, 14 girls right now on our team. Just trying to put together people that will work hard together and will do whatever it takes to help this program and to win. There's just a lot of things that people don't see, a lot of things that don't get talked about, you know, the, the, the bad things that people say about you or, you know, the doubt or things like that. While it does not bother me personally as a person, I'm still human. I still see those things. And you always want people around you that are going to support you and want to speak positively into you. But when you're in this seat, sometimes people just want to talk just to talk. And if you haven't been in this seat, you're just not used to it. And so... Being able to be strong through that and just remain confident in who I am, regardless of what the outcomes have been, has probably been the toughest thing because sometimes you'll see some of the things that, that people say or, you know, opinions of others or, you know, people being doubtful about what you're doing. And it can make you question yourself a little bit like, well, maybe I am doing this or maybe I'm not right about this or but 
for me, I've had to learn now at an early age because I get that opportunity to, no matter what people say, you have to believe in who you are, believe in the work that you put in, believe in the program that you're putting in, putting together, and just know that sometimes it just takes time. A lot of time, people want things to happen right now, and I'm one of those. I can admit that. Sure. I wanted it to happen right now because I felt like we had the team, and I felt like we could win right away. And one thing that I've had to realize is sometimes it's just a process, and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with what comes with that and the blow that at some point it'll take a turn. I think a lot of people give up before it takes a turn. But if you just keep fighting and you keep working and you keep believing and keep knowing, at some point things will take a turn, and I really believe that that's where we're headed. You've been on the road a ton, which kind of has added on to this first full season. The good news is you get to finish the regular season with four straight games at home. What's that feel like right now? I'm thankful. (laughs) It feels like we've been on the road all year. So to be able to finish out at home with the momentum that I feel like we have building right now is special. You know, I told our team we have an opportunity to really go on a run these last four games and to build some really big momentum and maybe jump a couple teams uh, to try to get the best seed that we can leading into the tournament. So we're really excited to be back home, excited to be in our arena practicing and uh, just get ready to finish strong. And I just really want our team to feel confident and uh, be tough going into Pensacola. Say all that. How glad she is to be home, but all the conference wins are on the road. So it's not, I mean, she, <laughs> that's true. true. Very true. Very She's true. not going to turn down a home game. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nope. I'm happy to be back home in front of our fans. And, you know, hopefully Thursday could be the first one that we went at home uh, during conference. But I just told them, you know, you're at home, you're in your environment, your environment that you're familiar with. So we have to, we can't allow hard work leading up to this point to be in vain. We have to continue building towards the momentum that, we, that we've that we built and really feel confident playing on our home court. We have a really big opportunity these next four games. One of the things I know he had down here to talk about, and I went to from a couple different standpoints, is on this in the middle of this trip last week from Troy to James Madison, kind of the, the stopping off point there is Washington, D.C. And so you guys – you know, took time there to do some sightseeing. And I'm going to ask about this from two standpoints. Number one, just to to see the things there are to see in Washington, D.C. But two, it's one of the things I picked up in all the years, you know, I I traveled with this program with Brian Boyers. He took seriously the notion that he wanted to give each player, in a lot of cases, opportunities to, to do and see things they may not get to in their lives otherwise. And so you kind of see, check both those boxes this weekend. That was exactly my thought process. You know, it wasn't even planned. After our game at Troy, I was sitting on the plane and uh, we were headed to Washington. And I literally had the thought of, just for myself, I'm from Strong, Arkansas. I've never, I've never been to Washington D.C. You've seen these things on TV, you've seen these things in magazines, but you've, I've never seen them in person. And I knew for a fact there were players on my team that had never been exposed to those type of things. And so I wanted to take the time to educate them on history. And so it was really interesting to see their faces light up, as well as mine. You know, I was in awe because sure. you see these things on TV and. You don't realize how big they are. You know, you, you get in front of the, the Lincoln statue, the Martin Luther King statue, and, you know, you see all the quotes behind them. And you see all the things that went into it, and then you really sit there and you talk about the history of it. And just being 
you know, in the same area where Martin Luther King did his I Have a Dream speech and, and looking out and you've seen the pictures on social media of all the people around the water and, you know, seeing the monument behind it, but actually standing there and seeing it for yourself was just, I think it was monumental for, for myself as well as the team. And uh, we got back on the bus and they all were really thankful that we took the opportunity uh, for them to see some things that they hadn't seen. I think we only had maybe one or two people on the team that had experienced Washington, D.C. So for me, it was about allowing them to experience something that they haven't. And I think that when you're in a season like this and you're frustrated and you're trying to work through things, you can, you can lose sight of that because you're just trying to fix it. And uh, I didn't want to lose sight of it or miss the opportunity of allowing them to experience something that they hadn't experienced. That's neat. I'm glad you took the time to do that. And that was something that you decided last minute. Literally on the plane. <laughs> and uh, I just I just had the thought of you need to you need to show them around. They need to go experience this. They haven't experienced that. And, uh, you know, a lot of our kids, like I said, their their eyes were wide open. They really enjoyed it. We walked around for a while. Um, we were trying to even get into the Holocaust Museum. A lot of our kids, yeah. they wanted to go. They asked me to go because they wanted to experience. They wanted to learn a little bit more about it. We weren't able to do it because you had to have tickets for it, and we didn't have time to get the tickets and things like that. But it was just really interesting to have conversations with them about the history of everything that we were we were sightseeing. You think it, and for the record, I do too. So I want to know, you know, given last week you went and played the top two teams in the standings on the road, you won one and, and kind of hung in the other one. You said without a couple of scoring options, getting going. I don't know or really don't care what the record is right now. You think you have a team that's sitting here right here today can play in the NCAA tournament this year. I happen to agree with that. Do you think your players think that? I'm bold enough in my faith. I'm bold enough in my belief with this team to tell you that we absolutely have a team that can play in the NCAA tournament. We face the top two teams in the conference, and we play right there with both of them. And on Saturday, if, if Leilani Ogman and Lauren Pendleton score, even half their average, it's a different ball game. So it was proof to me and a sign to me that we can absolutely do this. Um, I think that we have to prepare the right way. We have to make sure that our kids have the right confidence going into the tournament, and we have to we have to really take care of business at home these last four games so that we can build momentum and confidence going into the tournament. But I absolutely believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that we have the team that can absolutely go into this tournament and make a lot of noise and be playing in the NCAA tournament. And they know they can do it now. You can go on the road and, and win at Troy. You can win this league. And, and hang 98 in a tough environment. Yeah. They had a nice crowd. They're the number one team in the league. They know how to win. They're winners. They're tough. They're physical. And for us to go in there and play the way that we played, with the confidence that we played, and to, to hang 98 and to be able to win that game, it showed me. You know, it, it was proof that we can absolutely do this. South Alabama Thursday at 5. Got a chance for a season sweep there. And then the Cajuns come in Saturday at 4.30 and need a little payback with them. Absolutely. One point overtime <laughs> loss at their place. You know, South Al, they're playing a lot better now. They're playing a lot harder. Uh, they're playing with teams a lot closer than what they were. So it's not a game that we can walk in and think that we're just going to show up and win. We have to be prepared to play. And, uh, of course, on Saturday, I think that we owe them. We do. And, uh, you know, obviously my players make fun of me because there was a call that did not happen uh, after our game at Lafayette that caused them to win. And I kind of went after the refs a little bit 
And uh, I was frustrated, not because he didn't call that one, but there was a couple plays that were missed that led to buckets for them that cost us. And so I was frustrated with the trajectory of that because I think that players should decide games. It should never be decided by someone else. But you got to be excited about that game. You got to be excited about, you know, having them come to your home court, playing the way that we're playing, try to get some type of revenge against a team that we felt like we could have beat. You know, we, we, we t- I remember now you're saying that. You know, we talked when you were here the last time, having seen you as the interim coach. We talked about that, you know, calm demeanor. Really, we talked about never seen anything like it. Never seen a, a coach say less <laughs> to the human, officials. No, Bobo. I, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know how many technicals you've gotten this year. I can think of two that I was either listening to or watching at the time they happened, and my reaction to both was good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was all for it. I mean, and so, yeah, I, I, I said say because your kids know too you, that you'll fight for them. No matter if you hadn't said a word to the official all night long, when it comes down to time, you'll fight for your kids. I'm fiery. I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about this team, love this team, and I'll fight for them to the end, especially when I feel like there's something that should have gone in their favor that didn't because my kids are working hard. They're showing up. They're doing things the right way. Um, so when those opportunities come, I'm going to fight for them. That's just who I am. And, uh, you know, obviously I do have to keep some type of composure with a young team because when we start getting frazzled, if they see me frazzled, it makes it ten times. It's just keeping my composure. Even in the Troy game, they were trying to come back. And early on in the season, I probably would have been a little upset about it because we started turning it over. But instead of being upset about it, I just kept being really positive and keeping my composure and telling them, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're fine. Just just take care of the next one so that we can have the next play mentality. So I understand when to keep my composure and when I can kind of get at people. I'm learning that lesson as well. <laughs> Coach, it's fun watching it start to come together now. And can't wait to see how this thing finishes with the four games at home and then in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We appreciate you coming in. All right. Thank you for having me. That's Destiny Rogers joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Talking women's hoops, really enjoyed that visit just a minute ago with Coach Destiny Rogers. The men's team was also on the road this past week. And a couple of road games for the A-State men. We traveled a lot, by the way. The Texas-Georgia road swing that we had. (laughs) That was a first. At uh, Texas State on Thursday night, the Red Wolves continue to uh, be very shorthanded on the men's side. We went into that game with only seven scholarship players available. That is a major storyline, by the way, which Mm -hmm. is worthy of talking about. But finished with only six scholarship players. That's because Avery Feltz was kneed in the hip late in the first half, and Avery's as tough as they come. After scoring eight points in the first half, just not able to come back and and play in the second half. 
Still, it was a great game. Seven ties, 14 lead changes in this one, and had an opportunity in the final seconds. And they're in the final 30 seconds. Look, we had a couple of players foul out at that point. We had Dylan Arnett, who I really like him. Fantastic young man, but he's a walk-on. He had scored a couple of points all season long, but he's on the floor in the final 30 seconds in a three-point ball game and actually had a chance to tie the game with a three in those final seconds. So that kind of tells you where you're at injury-wise. But after that game, Coach Bellato couldn't have been more proud yeah. of the effort from his team, in fact. And you know, saw some good individual efforts. Uh, Season-high 19 for Marquise Davis. Caleb Fields with 12.6 assists. Had a career-high five steals, but uh, came up just a little bit short. Hard to come up with new ways to talk about kind of way, the way this team hangs in there and they fight and they scratch and they're just not to the point where with the kind of numbers you're talking about sometimes you just undermanned go back to avery for a second you talk about the kind of you want to indicate things are going bad when having a face full of stitches is not the thing that's keeping you off the floor because you got something worse happening that's right <laughs> and we we had talked about it in the pregame show that night monday afternoon in practice last week Avery came down and took a inadvertent elbow coming down on a rebound from Isaiah Nelson and ended up having to get 20 stitches and look it didn't look very good for those couple of days afterwards but you know Avery took the floor with the 20 stitches above his lip and then he goes out there and gets kneed in the hip on Thursday night so it was a rough week yeah. for Avery Feltz the team after the four-point loss on Thursday night flies from Austin to Savannah. They bus from Savannah over to Statesboro and they play at Georgia Southern on Saturday afternoon. And kind of back to Avery here, going into that game, I interview Coach Bellato about an hour before tip off. I go back there and he he even says here in the interview, Avery can't play. He said he's still out. He can barely move. And I even heard that from Avery. I, I went over and talked to him before the game as well. And then Avery being the guy that he is, he still wanted to find a way to be out there on the floor with his teammates. And I was watching him as I started the pregame show. He's out there and he's starting to kind of get going a little bit faster in the warmup. He looks like he may try to go. Casey Stanley comes over and tells me he's going to try to play, see how far he can go. Unfortunately, he did try to play and he only lasted a couple of minutes. Just too much pain in that hip. Which then dropped that seven scholarship players to six. So six scholarship players. Look, the Red Wolves were hanging in there. We got closed the half well, down six at the intermission. But you know, Georgia Southern started the second half on a thirteen nothing run, and just hard to come back after that. Terrence Ford continues to to really impress. What a fantastic talent he is as a true freshman. He had thirteen points, six rebounds, four steals, and one thing that you'll notice Terrence Ford's been guarding the best player on the opposing team pretty much from the start of conference play on Caleb Fields is a good defender but look he's not he hadn't been at 100 percent in a long time Terrence Ford was out there holding one of the best guards in the league on Saturday they're just four points that was impressive uh, Omar El Sheik had a double double his eighth of the year but Georgia Southern ends up winning at 68 to 53. The men's basketball team, one of the teams in action last week, but so were the indoor track and field teams. They actually finished their regular season 
this past weekend at a couple of different events. They were at the Indoor Gorilla Challenge in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and the Music City Challenge in Nashville. Total, there were 20 career best recorded, five event titles, Bradley Jelmert winning the men's pole vault, Janae Cook winning the 60 meters, Hannah Morris won the long jump at Vanderbilt, our buddy Cameron Newton-Smith also won a long jump event at Pittsburgh State. Jacob Pyatt setting a school record in the 5,000 meters. He won the event there at Pittsburgh State. And then Rahel Bromel broke her own school record in the mile. Now, the regular season over, they get ready for the indoor championships coming up next Monday and Tuesday in Birmingham. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's what all that work is for. Get to Birmingham and try to bring some more hardware home. They've collected plenty of hardware at that particular meet in recent years, and hopefully they can do it again coming up next Monday and Tuesday. We're going to take another time out, be back to wrap things up with a look ahead to everything else that's happening this week in A-State Athletics when we come back. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. It's opening weekend for Tommy Raffo and the baseball team. 37 players on the roster and 22 are newcomers. (laughs) I can't recall a higher percentage than that. But they'll open up against UAPB Friday at 6, Saturday at 3, and Sunday at 1. The basketball teams at home, we talked about it with Coach Rogers a little bit earlier. They're at home for the final four games of the season. But the men also playing their final two home games this week. So a couple of doubleheaders. Coming up Thursday and Saturday. Now, Thursday, it's the women playing first. They play at 5 against South Alabama. And then the men play Troy at 7.30. And then they flip-flop on Saturday. The men play first Saturday against Georgia State. 2 o'clock the tip for that one. And then the uh, women take on the Cajuns at 4.30. So there's a lot of stuff attached to these games this week. It's funny how many people I've had ask me, you know, random people had asked me about kind of what, what's been known in the past as Pack Pride Night uh, with Student Activities Board. Well, it's Thursday night. Now they call it Howl on the Hardwood Night. So uh, if you're looking for that game, you've been looking for that game where the, the student attendance is the biggest of the year, it's Thursday night. Now. It's been great all yeah, year it already. it really has. It really has. But it'll be, I suspect, even bigger still with a lot of the Greeks and stuff out on Thursday night. AD honor roll at halftime of the men's game. So it's about 200 of those uh, that had a 3.0 or higher. That'll be uh, recognized Thursday night. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. From a student standpoint, SAB and University Housing, I think, giving out 400 free T-shirts in the student section. Pep Rally between the games, they've got like $500 worth of gift cards they're going to be giving out. So there's a lot going on, especially from a student standpoint. Thursday, then Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, it's Men's Senior Day. You got that happening. We'll shift to, to focus a little bit to the women's game. It's going to be their kind of their, you know, quote unquote pink game, their breast cancer awareness game, Saturday sponsored by St. Bernard's. That's this weekend for the 430 game with the women. 
halftime of the men's game, Coach Jones is going to go out on the floor with members of the signing class who are already here. Oh, really? And introduce them to the fans and say a few words. And uh, Saturday, and it, if, if the numbers didn't work out so neatly, I don't know if I'd ever clued in on this, but one day back earlier in the season, I was thinking about, I don't even know what I was looking at. And I got to look at the fact that the men had played 482 games all time in First National Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. And then I got to think about the fact that they had 18 home games this year, plus the exhibition, which doesn't count. And 18 plus 482 equals 500. Saturday is the 500th men's basketball game in the arena. How about that? Good job. Our, our graphic Bobo. designer, uh, who we work with, a guy by the name of Adam Urgel, has designed a special poster for that day. And we'll have, guess what, 500 copies of that poster to give out I see what Saturday, uh, leading into the 500th game all time. And it's cool. It's got a picture. You know, it's got a picture of uh, the crowd of the first Memphis game plus a crowd Another big crowd shot. Kind of three different looks of the floor, let's say that. Got a timeline of uh, different events. You kind of significant milestone wins and and stuff in the history of, you know, there at the arena. So kind of celebrate 35-plus uh, years of men's basketball at the arena with game number 500 Saturday. Perfect way to do it. And hopefully the men can finish off the home schedule with a big win over Georgia State. I was talking with Omar El-Sheikh. The other night after the Georgia Southern game, we were at the airport and asking him about senior day. And, you know, his parents are still in Egypt. They couldn't get the visas to get back to the United States for senior day. But Omar's brother actually lives in Qatar, and he's coming all the way over, and he'll be at senior day on Saturday. And what a fantastic young man. I'd actually like to have Omar in on this podcast very soon but it's been really fun and i know he's just a guy that's that's here for a year but he's got a fantastic story and couldn't ask to, yeah, to meet easy, a nicer young man real easy to pull for him i i took my nine-year-old uh right back earlier in the season still maybe even still in the non-conference part of the season to what was a surprise birthday party for another kid he knew it was at the practice gym at jonesboro high school supposed to be disguised as a basketball practice which was really a surprise birthday party who shows up omar el sheik (laughs) because he knows the kid and then you know as a parent myself who's had one of my kids around a lot of the games you know all of our guys but omar maybe chief among them has been really great just a really good ambassador like i said even in a in a one-year stop he's uh, made a positive impact yeah my 11 year old daughter the same way charlotte has kind of adopted omar as one of her favorite players now and omar actually made a, a video and and we sent it to charlotte on the phone one night so now he also my my uh nine-year-old's birthday party is march 4th where he'll turn 10 and he's convinced isaiah nelson's coming to his birthday party because isaiah <laughs> said something along those lines at a when's the show. birthday party march 4th all right hopefully isaiah is still in pensacola That's at right. that point been a fun program appreciate Coach Destiny Rogers coming hey, by. Go uh, ahead. We're rolling through the week. Bowling's got its home event this weekend. That's right. I didn't mean to leave that one out. So they, uh, yeah, they they're coming off a strong weekend where they finished uh, made it to the championship match, finished second down in Florida, which I'm sure they were happy about after a couple of weeks that really didn't go the way they're used to weeks going. And they've got a good field as always at Hijinks this weekend for their uh, home event. So you can go by. And I've, I say this every year, whether it was do, on that radio show or whatever, bowling is a lot more 
sort of spectator friendly than you think, especially if you go watch it when it gets to the the Baker format, because there's only one score to keep up with, and uh, it, it, it's more fun to watch than you think. If you really didn't think being watching bowling would be fun, it it really can be pretty entertaining. So hopefully, some folks can get by hijinks and amongst all that other stuff this weekend and check it out. We'll be right back with you next week for our next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Have a great week, everybody.